Hey friends, welcome to Anchored In Always. I'm Katie Thornhill, and I've been through the storms of marriage infidelity, drug and alcohol addiction of a loved one, and even loss of a child to cancer. In this podcast, I will share with you how to place healthy boundaries in your relationships, how to recover from past hurts using the principles of Christian recovery, and how to find healing even in the loss of a loved one, so that you can live a life of joy and purpose despite your circumstances. If you're ready to find freedom and victory, then join me on a journey of soul restoration as we anchor into Jesus. So pull your hair back, strap on your boots, and grab your Bible, and let's weather this storm. Well, hey friends, welcome back to Anchored In Always. Um, So for today's show, I've got my dad, Pastor Mike Stambaugh, back on the podcast today. And I'm super excited because um, I know that I've talked to you all about his YouTube channel um, that he's he's doing. And right now he's been doing a um, series on resolving conflict. And I, I've been listening to it myself and just have found it so helpful. And so I asked my dad if he'd be willing to come on the podcast and, and if we could just kind of cover some of it. There's so much he talks about in those seven episodes. So at the, I'm going to encourage you all to go to the show notes and click on his YouTube channel and start with number one and listen to all seven YouTube videos that he does on resolving conflict. But today we're just going to kind of hit the highlights. So um, dad, welcome back to the show. It's always a pleasure to have you on here. I always get so much feedback from people that they just love your teaching and your style. Um, so, So it's awesome to have you back on today. Great, honey. Yeah, it's go- always good to be here. And of course, uh, the main reason is because we get you and I get to do this Zoom. So I get to see my beautiful daughter. And so that's always a thrill for me. But it's always a thrill too to be able to share things that God has taught me and uh, that have been beneficial from the word to be able to share with them. So I'm excited about that. Thanks for having me. Yes. Um, well, it's definitely glad. And it's funny that we're talking about conflict today because um, I just want to share vulnerably before we dig in. Um, I had an opportunity this weekend to um, y- use a little bit of this. And um, even even in mistakes, you can you can, you know, use some of these principles that my dad's going to talk about. Um, so I was at my daughter's volleyball tournament and um, this woman typically when you when your child is done playing, you leave the bleachers so that the next set of parents come and they can sit down in the bleachers and watch their child play. Well, this team finished. Our team was going on the courts and re- practicing. And so, um, so all of us parents go in to, to get, get our seats and the other team wasn't moving. And so the mom standing next to me said nicely, like in a teacher voice though, but nicely like, um, excuse us, we are you guys okay if we you know, sit here now and watch our, our children. And this one woman said, um, Nope, I'm not leaving. I'm staying right here. And I was so mad. (laughs) And I said to her, I was like, um, well, that's, that's pretty rude. And I'm like, you know, like you just got to watch your child play. Um, we would like to watch our child, you know, it's kind of just common courtesy and etiquette here with volleyball. Sorry, I'm not moving. And I was like, okay, so I, (laughs) Dad, you're going to be so ashamed of me. I like sat my bleacher chair right in front of this woman on purpose, smack in front of her. And as I went to sit down, I sat down angrily. The back of my chair hit her knees and I, and then she pushed me. She literally took both hands on my back and pushed me 
And I flail forward and the mom next to me goes oh, like this. And she stands up and I turn around to this woman. I go, really? That's what we're going to do here today. Like, oh my gosh, did you just like push me? And I was so mad. What I wanted to do was literally push this woman off the back of the bleachers. I wanted to do that. I could see that visually happening. And so here's conflict. And, um, and I realized that I, I was part of it because I did sit down intentionally so that my chair would bump her. And I'm being honest there. And then, so then anyway, she was mad. She started cussing at me. I realized at that point, this was not going to be good. So I just, just turned around, sat down and was just like, okay, I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to respond to this woman. As I'm sitting there watching the game, the Holy spirit is speaking to me. You were wrong. Turn around and apologize. I think I had a 15 minute conversation in my head with the Holy spirit. Like, nope, not going to happen. I am not turning around to that woman and she was wrong and there is no way. And I, I wrestled, I wrestled so hard that I started literally almost sweating and I was turning, I was getting hot. And so finally I just kind of chuckled to myself, like, okay, fine, you win. And I took a deep breath and I turned around. And I think she was like surprised thinking I was going to start something up again. And I just apologized. And, and, um, I just told her, listen, I am really sorry um, that things escalated the way they did. And that I pushed my chair into your seat. When I sat down, I was angry that you didn't get up and move, but it was immature of me to do that. And I, I apologize. And then she apologized to me for her part and, and pushing me and getting mad and not moving. And then by the end of the, the game, we had chit chatted the whole rest of the game. I couldn't get my chair folded up and she came over and helped me and handed it to me. And all the other moms were cracking up. They're like, Oh, we go from, um, B I'm going to kick your tail. This woman said that to me to, um, here, let me help you with your chair. And they're like, how does that happen? I'm like, uh, that's the power of making amends and saying, I'm sorry, I guess. And they were like, just cracking up. So I had a little, little lesson over the weekend and some conflict resolution. (laughs) That's good. That's good. Um, yeah, that's a good story, Eddie. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. So I just had to share that, to be honest with you all. So, Dad, besides irrational people at volleyball games, what are some other what are some common sources of conflict? And is all conflict bad? Yeah. Well, well let me begin with this. Honey, since you said that, uh, oh, oh. Why did I do a series on conflict? Uh, let me let me do that and then give you a definition of conflict. I think will help. And I I did a series on conflict to help people who go to volleyball and basketball games uh, and don't know how to get along with the people in the stands. No, I'm just right. kidding. <laughs> um, I, I did the series on conflicts mainly because what I saw through the COVID situation hmm. and the political unrest that is in our country, and especially. Not because of the country or even the COVID, but because of how it was dividing believers. It was becoming an issue between believers and families were split and churches uh, were split. And, and, and it was it was just, uh, you know, it just constant, constant battle and bickering between professing believers. I don't care if the world does that stuff. I expect the world to do that stuff. But when it infiltrates the church and affects a relationship between a brother and sister in Christ, brother and brother in Christ, sister and sister in Christ, that's a problem, okay? Mm-hmm. So I just felt like this was an important thing to share. And so when we talk about conflict, I think we need to get a little understanding about it because 
what's a conflict sometimes for one person may not be a conflict for another, seem like a conflict, okay? Some people have a very high tolerance for conflict and they don't really feel like there's a conflict unless you punch them in the nose. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, other people, it just, a, just one word or even a wrong look can create a conflict. So I've kind of defined conflict as the emotional, mental, and or physical tension between two or more people that can be as mild as disagreement or as strong as physical violence. Mm-hmm. So that really covers a wide gamut. The conflict is in there. And, and it's it's just that that, that def- definition is important, I think, because some people want to minimize conflict. They just don't take it seriously. You know, it, it doesn't bother me, so why, sh- why should it bother you kind mm-hmm. of thing? Uh, and so thus they don't take responsibility for the conflict, nor do they see the reason to try and resolve that conflict, all right? So that was kind of where this came from. And uh, we we really did start off the series talking about the sources of conflict, and there are really three sources. And I'm not gonna go into detail here, and thank you, Katie, for promoting that, because I you know, I don't wanna come on and just promote my own YouTube, but I really was gonna have to say to people, look, if you want more detail, you, you need to go to this, because we can't cover this in the amount of time that we're going to do today, but there there are what I call three sources of conflict. One was a spiritual source, which so often involves the demonic, and um, James talks about that. Uh, James chapter three verse fourteen. James says this, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition, that's usually where conflict comes: the selfish ambition or the jealousy. I mean, those, those are two traits that create conflict right off the bat. Do not boast. Uh, and be false about the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes from above. It is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. Now, when we're speaking about demonic, you know, you don't have to have your hair curl because of that, because, uh, you know, we're, we're not speaking of being demonized, or as some people would want to call it, demon-possessed. We're not speaking of that kind of influence. What we're talking here is just the influence, demons, spiritual beings that that seek to disrupt the unity of believers, uh, they are very active. Matter of fact, Paul said in Ephesians chapter six, we don't we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. You know, people are really aren't our enemy. We wrestle against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. So, you know, it's the unseen that try to motivate us into these kind of conflicts. So there's a spiritual source. Then we said, secondly, there, there's a relational source, which involves the world. And when I refer to the world, I'm not just referring to the people of the world, but I'm really also referring to the ways of the world, the patterns, the worldviews, the politics, the culture, the education, the entertainment, the economy, and and even the religion, because the world has its own religion. Matter of fact, uh, any religion other than Christianity belongs to the world. Okay, I know it sounds pretty, uh, uh, pretty isolated, but that's really the truth. Any anything that is outside of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is a religion of the world, and that world system functions in darkness and in opposition to God. So what happens is 
is, uh, and we we talk about this a lot in detail on the YouTube thing, but when you received Christ as a believer, you were transferred out of the kingdom of darkness, Paul says in Colossians 1, and into the kingdom of light or the kingdom of, of, of Christ. And so that those who are not part of that realm, so in other words, there, there's only there's only two groups of people that walk on the face of the earth. There are those who belong to the kingdom of Satan and those who belong to the kingdom of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And that causes you to live in a whole different realm than the person who lives in the kingdom of darkness or the kingdom of Satan. And when I say that, you know, people say, well, I don't worship Satan. I don't even believe in Satan. It doesn't make any difference. It's his kingdom. It's his world, you know, and everybody who's not part of Christ's kingdom is part of his. So when you become a believer, you're not in the same world, the same realm, the same kingdom as a person of darkness. That's why that's why uh, Paul said in Second uh, Corinthians 6, don't be unequally yoked together uh, with unbelievers, because what fellowship does light have with darkness? And he just makes a number of contrasts there, okay? Uh, those who are not part of the, uh, the realm or the kingdom of God, which is all unbelievers, many times will be in tension or conflict with us as believers. It'll just automatically happen. Now, we're going to come back to that when we answer the other part of your question, uh, Katie, is all conflict um, bad? Okay, we'll come back to that in a second. So you have the spiritual source, which can involve the demonic. You have the relational, or the physical source, the relational source, uh, which involves the world. And then finally, you have the physical source, which involves our flesh. And when I say our flesh, I'm not talking about our physical bodies. What I'm talking about are the remains of our Adamic nature. We were born with the nature of Adam, totally separated from God. When we come to Christ, that nature is crucified with Christ and is gone, Romans 6, 6. Now, I know in saying that, I open up a can of theological worms right now that I'm not even going to go into. But, but if something is crucified, it dies. It can't live. So it says our old man was crucified with Christ, that the body of sin might be destroyed. So that nature was crucified with Christ is gone, but the effects of that nature still linger on within our body and our soul. Uh, and so that's being redeemed and ultimately will be redeemed. Now, what I mean by that is this, is salvation is an ongoing process, which includes the past, present, and future. So we have been saved. That's justification. We are being saved. That's sanctification. Um, and we ultimately will be saved. That's glorification, where our spirit and our soul receive a brand new resurrection body. Well, we don't have that yet. Trust me, at 69 years old, this body ain't getting better. So uh, I'm looking forward to that resurrection body, okay? Um, and, and the flesh is talked about that way throughout Scripture. Galatians chapter 5, for those of you that may want to look up these verses, Galatians chapter 5, 16 and 17, where Paul says, walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. Now, I don't like the NIV translation there. It says uh, the desires of the sinful nature. I think it causes confusion. The word is really sarx, S-A-R-X, and it means flesh. So walk in the spirit, you don't fulfill the desires of the flesh, for the flesh wars against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary to each other. So we've got this battle going on within us all the time. And then Paul even talks about the works of the flesh 
in Galatians 5, uh, 19 through 21. So I'm just going to list to you, uh, those of you that are listening, I'm just going to list to you the areas of the flesh that produce conflict. We went in detail about each one of these on the YouTube. I'm just going to list them with the scripture reference. So I know you can pause this. And if you want to write scripture down, you can come back and get that. But I listed six areas of the flesh that produce conflict or are sources of conflict. Pride out of Proverbs 13.10. Greed out of Proverbs 28.25. Anger out of Proverbs 26, 21, and Proverbs 29, 22. A quarrelsome or contentious attitude, out of Proverbs 26, 21. Spiritual immaturity also will cause conflict. Uh, Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 3. And then six, wrong desires or wrong passions can cause conflict, out of James chapter 4, verse 1. So pride Greed, anger, a quarrelsome or contentious attitude, spiritual immaturity, wrong desires or passions. All these things are works of the flesh that are sources of conflict within it. Now, the second part of the, your question was, is all conflict bad? Well, no. And here's the reason for that. We got to go back to the second source of conflict, and that is the world and our relationship with the world, and what I had just said about the fact that when you come to Christ, you belong to a different kingdom. So anybody without Christ walks in the kingdom of darkness, and anybody with Christ walks in the kingdom of light. And as you know, light and darkness don't exist real well together. So here's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, verse 34 through 37. He says, Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. In other words, what he's saying there, is he saying that when you become a follower of Christ, it can cause conflict even in your own family, because you can be a, a wife who comes to Christ and your husband doesn't. Guess what? You now live in a different kingdom than your husband does. Or you can be a <coughs> excuse me, you can be a son or daughter that comes to Christ and your mom and dad won't. And you now live in a different kingdom than your parents do, okay? So when you come to Christ, you're transferred to a different realm or different kingdom. And those who are not part of that realm or kingdom will be in tension or conflict with you. It's just automatic. The scripture speaks of that all the time. And, and, and in that case, it's not when you have that conflict like that between a believer and unbeliever, it isn't always because the believer has done something wrong or has said something wrong. It has everything to do with a new realm that you live in, and it's not the same realm. Your, your ideals are different. Your philosophy of life is different. Your goals are different. Your motives are different. Your, your, your morals are different, and all those things create major conflict, okay? Uh, now, it's very important uh, because that leads to a second thought regarding conflict, and that's this. If that's the case, then not all conflict can be resolved. That's important to realize. If the conflict is brought on because of 
our relationship with Jesus Christ, that is an irresolvable conflict, okay? And we just have to understand it. Now, it do, that, that doesn't give to me as a believer an excuse to be contentious or an excuse or difficult to get along with. It doesn't give to me, <laughs> as a believer, and it doesn't give to me a, 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 an excuse to be able to take my chair and shove it into the knee of a person sitting behind me. <laughs> I still love that story. Right. Um, we're still under the mandate from the Apostle Paul, Romans 12, 18, if possible. See, and I love that phrase, if possible. So far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. See, even the Apostle Paul understands some conflict is inevitable and unresolvable because it says, if it's possible. Well, that very statement implies that there may be times where it's not possible. But as much as it lies within you, try to make it happen. So, um, so those are the sources of the conflict. And we need to understand that sometimes all conflict uh, isn't wrong, isn't bad. I, and I will say this. I think that all conflict between believers is wrong because all believers live in the same realm. Mm. There ought to be resolution that can happen between believers. But when you have a conflict with an unbeliever, you got to understand you got a light, dark thing there, uh, you know, kingdom of darkness, kingdom of light thing. So, yes. Yeah. Um, you know, I really loved all of that, especially just that I think, you know, a lot of us as believers struggle with. Um, that tension that you talked about as believers, we are not even in the same realm or kingdom any longer with the world. And so there will, will be tension. And I think I see so many times and myself included where we're just uncomfortable with that. Like in our flesh, we just feel like, like, um, we should be able to resolve all conflict all the time. And just by having a conversation with somebody, but if you're not even in the same realm of thinking or, or spiritual realm, you know, in, in uh, the kingdom of God then there are just some things that they're not going to understand and they're not going to get until they give their life to the Lord. And, and so I think sometimes what I see is that that can lead to, um, compromise, you know, for believers as we, you know, we try to have one foot in the world and one foot out and we try to right. get along with everybody. And, and, and there's that fine balance between what you were saying. If, if at all up to you make peace, you know, um, with everybody, like as far as within your control. So still, and I agree with you, like seeing all the ugliness on Facebook, especially with believers, like we do have a choice over how we engage, even with unbelievers, like mm -hmm. showing the love of Christ and, and, and they're not, you know, knowing that they're maybe not going to understand where we're coming from, most likely aren't going to understand where we're coming from. And they're probably not going to agree with us, but is our character is the way that we're going about it representing Christ and within our, our, um, control to, you know, to, to make peace as much as it's within our control. And so I just, yeah, I just loved all of that. And I know you go so much deeper in the, in the YouTube channel. So I'm excited for everybody to hear that too. Well, um, just, and let me add one thing real quick to that, honey, mm -hmm. to it, regardless of whether we understand that the conflict we may have with an unbeliever is because they're in a realm of darkness and we're in the realm of light. It never gives us the right to be rude or contentious. Right. We are always, matter of fact, First Peter 5, Peter says this. He says, uh, in your hearts, honor Christ as Lord is holy and always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. But do it with gentleness, gentleness and respect. 
We're to respect other people. We're to respect the lost. Uh, you know, we got to remember that the lost, uh, those who are unbelievers, they're not our enemy. Even though they live in a different kingdom, they're not our enemy. They're our mission field. Mm. You know, and and if we and if we, you know, if we just throw our hands up, and say, oh well, they're just unbelievers, so fooey on them, you know, then we lose the motivation to be a witness and a light to them to help bring them to Christ. So we must always do these things with respect and gentleness and kindness that, you know, the very uh, heart of Christ. Yes, yes, I fully agree with that. And, and I know it's difficult, like with that situation this weekend, like, you know, I was battling my flesh and my spirit, mm -hmm. you know, my, my flesh was angry. And that was one of the sources that you said for flesh you know, causing conflict was anger and pride, you know, so my, my, ang I got angry because my pride was a little bit, you know, I was prideful. Like I deserve to sit in this spot and you need to leave, you know? And because she didn't, then, you know, conflict came from that, from my fleshly desires. Um, and then that battle between the flesh and spirit. Um, so dad leading into that next question. then, so, you know, what, what do we sacrifice, you know, when conflict stays unresolved, what does it cost us? Well, and I talk about this in the YouTube thing in a little more detail too, but let me just kind of summarize. There's really three things. We sacrifice our fellowship with the Lord. That's the ultimate thing. And I, I'll, I'll spend a little time there, here, because that's the most important thing. Uh, we, we sacrifice our fellowship with the Lord. We also sacrifice, if, if the conflict is between us and another believer, we sacrifice fellowship with that believer, okay? Um, but the other thing we sacrifice, too, in conflict is what Paul calls a clear conscience. And that's uh, Acts 24, 16. He said, I always strive to have a clear conscience before God and before men. He strove for that. Well, and what is a clear conscience? It's really the idea of, of the fact that neither God nor another person can point a finger at us and say, you wronged me and you've never made it right. You know, um, so Paul never, never tried to uh, have a, 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 an unclear conscience. He always wanted to be free with that. But the most important thing is our fellowship with the Lord. And this is the thing where I think people are deceived. I think believers think, that they can live in conflict with another believer and be okay with God. And I want to, uh, the key verse in this whole study that we did on conflict, Katie, the seven sessions, we kind of kept coming back to this verse because this was the foundational verse that Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 and 24, when he said, so if you are offering your gift at the altar. Now, that is a reference, that's an Old Testament reference to offering God a sacrificial gift, the sacrifices that were talked about in Leviticus, and you would offer gifts with them. Here, it's kind of symbolic of our gift that we offer a gift of worship, uh, a gift of service. We serve the Lord. That's a gift of, of, of that we give to him. And he says, if you're offering your gift at the altar, there you remember. In other words, as you're offering this gift, as you're worshiping, as you're serving, as maybe you're praying, whatever it is, and you remember that your brother or sister, brother here is uh, generic, so it, 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 it means brother or sister. It's not just a male word here. It's a, it's a both and. So if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, there's the conflict. They have something against you. you you've done something. Now, you might not even be aware of it. Uh, the Holy Spirit may bring it to your mind, or maybe you're aware of it, and you didn't think it was that bad. But they have something against you. The instructions, verse 24, leave 
your gift there before the altar. In other words, stop worshiping, stop serving, stop thinking that you can compensate the uh, compensate this conflict by offering me something else. Leave your gift before the altar and go first. There's the priority. First, what's the priority? Worship? No. What's the priority? Service? No. What's the priority? First, be reconciled to your brother or your sister. There's the command of Christ right there. This is not an alternative. It's not suggestive. This is an imperative command of Christ. Be reconciled to your brother or your sister, and then come, then come. God said, you know, Jesus said, then I want your worship. Then I want your service. Then come and offer your gift. And I'll just say, if we are unwilling to do this, if we're unwilling to do this, God is unwilling to receive any gift from us, gift of worship, gift of service, whatever it may be. He does not receive it because he says, I want you to do this first. There's something hindering. There's something hindering your relationship with me because there's a hindrance in your relationship with your brother or sister here. So this is absolutely important. So we sacrifice above all things the intimate fellowship with God when we have these unresolved conflicts between brothers and sisters of Christ. Yeah, um, you know. I know I surprised you. That was a lot shorter than you expected, wasn't it? <laughs> I was like, and okay, all right. <laughs> um, no, yeah, I I agree. I was thinking about a lot as you were sharing, um, you know, just that clear conscience that you were talking about. And and I see that a lot in recovery that, um, and it's funny because the lesson for tonight, we have CR tonight and um, is amends. It's the amends lesson. And it's really a crucial step in, in recovery journey as we walk people through those 12 steps and they're all based on, Matthew chapter five, the sermon on the Mount. And, and so that's one of the verses in one of this, in this step. And it's, it is, it's so important. And we see this over and over again, as, as we walk people through these 12 steps that, that unresolved conflict, you know, that leads to this resentment and they carry it around like a heavy backpack and a burden. And, and so when you said that clear conscience and, um, and they're holding that and carrying it. And then often that leads to like the behaviors that bring them to CR, the addiction. So they're trying to like, they're trying to do something to fill a void or, or to numb the pain or, or to make the burden feel less heavy. And they're not willing to, to resolve the conflict and make amends with, with people or they're in denial about it. And so instead they drink or they, or they do drugs or they shop too much or food addiction, right. they numb their pain with food, all different things. And so they come to CR for those issues. But then when we root it out with them through this scripture and, and other things, it's it's the conflict. It's the fact that they have not forgiven people who've hurt them, or they haven't asked for forgiveness from people they've hurt. And they haven't, you know, uh, they don't have a clear conscience. And so they're walking around with all this guilt and shame on them. Um, and it's so beautiful to see when they walk out this step and make amends with people um, hmm. and really just owning their part. You know, they can't make somebody else feel bad for what they did, like just owning right. their part of it. Um, there's so much freedom. You know, everybody that has gone through it, you know, and, and shared with us just how how freeing that is. They have a clear conscience. They have left their gift at the altar and they've gone and reconciled and then they can come back and they're much freer to walk in this deeper relationship with the Lord 
Um, and so everything you said, you know, I've, I've seen for myself and in other people, you know, walking out in this program. And so it's really beautiful to see. Um, and it's helped me so much. Like that's what helped me with that woman in the past. I would not have done that. I probably would have just felt justified in my anger and she should apologize to me and blah, blah, blah. And it would have stayed unresolved. And I would have missed that opportunity to, we ended up talking when she ended up helping me with my chair, her daughter, her granddaughter, whoever was sitting next to her, um, witnessed the whole thing. And, but she also witnessed me turning and apologizing to her. And then she got to see her, um, mother uh, apologize to me. And, and so that was a, a teaching moment for her as well. And so, you know, it was just a beautiful, ended up being a beautiful, like teaching moment for all of us. Um, and so I just love that. Uh, and so then lastly, dad, kind of, um, we've talked a little bit about some sources of conflict is all conflict bad. And, and then what do we, what do we sacrifice? You know, this tension that you were talking about a clear conscience fellowship with the Lord. So what are some steps if, if, for the listener today? Like what are some steps to resolving conflict, especially as a believer? Okay. Well, and, and I'm just going to have to summarize these, uh, because this is where the gist of where the teaching was. Um, but uh, there, there are seven steps. And, uh, for those of you listening and you might want to write them down, um, uh, they're all, they all begin with the letter P. I do that a lot if I can to, to help people try to remember things. So I call them the seven P's of conflict resolution. And they are this number one is priority priority. Make reconciliation a priority. Why? Because Jesus commanded us. We just read it, Matthew chapter 5. So make it a priority in your life. If it was a priority to him, it should be a priority to us. Number two is peace. We need a purpose to strive for peace. We already read that verse, Romans 12, 18. If possible, as much as lies within us, live peacefully. Uh, number three is personal examination. And this comes out of the Sermon on the Mount too, Katie, of Matthew chapter 7, where Jesus talked about the log in a person's eye and the speck in your brother's eye. And here's the person with a log in their eye trying to pick out a speck in their brother or sister's eye. And what Jesus says, what Jesus says, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye so that you can see clearly take the speck out of your brother's eye. So there is a responsibility that we have to take the speck out of our brother's eye, but it's only after we remove the, the log out of our own eye. That comes with personal examination. That personal examination is asking the Holy Spirit, what is my part in this conflict? What did I do? Um, you know, so that there's some ownership of wrong here that takes place, the Holy Spirit. And trust me, if you're sincere about that, the Holy Spirit will bring exactly to your mind probably how uh, you were responsible for this offense, okay? Um, number four is perspective. And that also comes out of Matthew chapter 7, verses 3 through 5, where we can now see clearly to take the speck of our brother's eye. Well, I, what, what I think that means is it means that we see the offense now from their view. You know, and in other words, just taking your situation, Katie, you, you know, here's this woman and you wanted her to see from your perspective that her, her game was done and her daughter or granddaughter was done playing. Get the stink out of my chair so I can sit there. Why can't you see that? All right. But as the Holy Spirit worked on you, you began to view from her perspective and realize, OK, you know, this here, here was my responsibility. Holy Spirit, there was personal examination. Now, all these things happened to you real quick. 
you know, there was personal examination and then there was perspective. And the perspective is, okay, I see how they could have felt that way. I see why they could have been upset. I see, you know, you, you're viewing the offense now from their point of view because you, you've got their perspective, okay? So priority, peace, perspective, uh, I, sorry, personal, uh, personal examination, perspective. Number five, which probably should be number one, is prayer, okay? Uh, and in that, in that, there were things that I covered about what you need to pray for yourself as you're going through this and what you need to pray for the person who's offended with you, the other believer who's offended with you. But there needs to be prayer in there. And then uh, um, sixth is what I call preparation. And in preparation, I covered especially the most important part of preparation is the wording. Uh, it's it's now in your case, yours was very impromptu. You had to do it right there. When when you're talking about a conflict that's been more ongoing, um, you don't want to just show up on somebody's doorstep and say, hey, I'm sorry. You know, don't know what I did, but you're ticked. So I apologize. No, that's not it. It's, it's the wording that's so important. You, ne you need to prepare the wording because you can say, and I talk about this, you can say the right thing but you can say the right thing at the wrong time, or you can say the right thing at the right time, but say it with the wrong attitude and the wrong attitude. So perfect communication is being able to say the right thing at the right time with the right attitude. Okay. And so that takes preparation. So you want to prepare. And those first six steps, priority, peace, personal examination, perspective, prayer, and preparation are what I call the preparatory steps before you go. Okay. And then the seventh step is actually the process, the process or proceed. Go to the offended person for the purpose of reconciliation. Okay. And if, if you don't do the first six steps, you're very unlikely that the seventh will be very successful. Okay. So it, it's just very important. And when you go to that person, and I spend a lot of time on this because it's very important, but I want to say here, it is person to person. It is not email to email. It is not text to text. It is not Facebook, private Facebook message to private Facebook message. It is face to face, eyeball to eyeball, because what happens so often in a letter or a text or a, a Facebook message or, you know, an email is you, they can't see the humility that you're coming with. They can't see your bodily demeanor. So immediately they read your email, not with your emotional state, which was to humble yourself and to come to them and to get this resolved. They read that from their defensive state. Oh, she wants to argue some more. She wants to attack me again, or he wants to, you know, he wants to go at it again. So that's why it's so important to do this face to face. And so those seven steps are, are just very vital in resolving conflict. Yes. Thank you, dad. Um, I love, um, having like, you know, me, I love having like steps and uh, this like, or order like, okay, yes, these all make such sense, but they're, it's so true. And, and I just, I love seeing this process worked out. And, and I didn't even realize that until you said all of that, that I was kind of working that process out quick and impromptu mm -hmm. with that situation. Um, and I, and, you know, I say all that to say, like, I, I messed up, like, 
you know, and as a believer, like we're still going to be in conflict, we're going to do the wrong thing. But I think it's, you know, important how we respond, um, you know, how we and hearing this and being familiar with all the things that you're saying and, and reading God's word, um, you know, will help us in those moments to just hear from the Holy Spirit. Um, and then we still have a choice, you know, because our flesh is battling our spirit. And so I think this is just so important, um, everything that you said. And uh, also the um, um, thinking about, or, or when you said doing it person to person, because mm -hmm. I've made that mistake a lot too, like just trying to type out a quick text and, and it gets taken the wrong way. And then I find myself, you know, frustrated with the person and they're frustrated me when I would, you know, if I just picked up the phone, um, at, at, or, or asked to meet, or let, let's get together and talk face to face. Um, there is such value. And I think that goes back to what you and I talked about on another episode, the microwave society. I think we all just want quick fixes. Yeah. Often we just want, okay, fine, whatever. I'm sorry. And, but you know, it takes time and you, and you have to really walk out this process. Um, but it's so important and it's so freeing. And, um, and so dad, I just really appreciate you being here today, sharing all of this with us. There's so much great value in everything that you shared. Um, I know it's going to bless a lot of listeners. Um, so just for time's sake, dad, if you could, if you have any final thoughts and then if you would, if you don't, that's fine. If you could just close this in, in a prayer over the listener today, especially that person who is maybe in conflict right now and really struggling, um, to make peace. Yes. Yeah, well, I, I just uh, my fi final thought is that we must take conflict resolution seriously, mm -hmm. not just because of Jesus command in Matthew five, but also because of Jesus prayer in John 17. Um, you know, in John 17, he prays to the father because that's the night before he's crucified and he realizes he's leaving this world and he is entrusting his work to people. 12 of them to begin with, but then to the rest of us as well. And the central theme of that prayer was unity, oneness. He said in verse 20, I do not ask for these alone, referring to his 11 disciples, because Judas, of course, was already gone. He said, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that's all believers, that's us, that they may all be one. And for what purpose? That the world may believe that you've sent me. And then he repeats it in verse 24, I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me. And I think about this, honey, with Christians at each other's throat on Facebook, uh, especially, I wonder what the world thinks of us. Mm. I wonder what the world thinks of Christ. That's why the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians 4, 3, be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There's there's to be an angerness or an eagerness, excuse me, to maintain unity between believers. And that's why there's this great need for conflict resolution. So thank you, honey, for having me on. And I, I really enjoyed this time with you. And so let's pray together. Father, thank you for those who are listening. And uh, I believe you bring the right ones to this podcast at the right time. Because uh, we realize that this is a very important uh, issue. It's so important that Jesus prayed that this was on his heart the night before his suffering. The night before he would shed his blood and die for our sins. The issue on his heart was unity, oneness between those who said they belonged to him. And so, Father, I pray that uh, for anyone listening 
today to this, who's in conflict with another believer, that, Lord, you just speak to their hearts. And uh, there would be just a desire to fulfill, to be eager to maintain the spirit of unity in the bond of peace. So thank you for this time. Thank you. We know your word is unhindered. So it goes out. Let it do its work um, so that you are glorified and your people are blessed. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, friend, are you feeling stuck? Maybe in your relationship with God, yourself, or other people in your life? As a professional life and relationship coach, I can help you discover unhealthy patterns and mindsets that are holding you back from experiencing more fulfilling relationships and stepping into that God-sized calling on your life with confidence. You can email me at katie at anchoredinalways.com and be sure to check out my brand new website at anchoredinalways.com for more information and to book your 20-minute free discovery session with me today. Also, if you enjoyed today's episode and would like to connect and learn more, join our community on Facebook at Anchored and Always. I will put all of these links in the show notes for you. Lastly, I want to bring this message of hope and healing to as many hurting people as possible. So help me spread the love by sharing this podcast on your social media outlets. Please take a quick minute to subscribe and leave me a review. Thank you for anchoring in with me today. God bless you as you weather your storms. Mm-hmm.